time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 80 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Cold brew. Oh, yes, because it is hot, hot, hot outside. So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. So how are you doing this week? Pretty well. We are back at the table, which is beautiful, but you are no longer COVID positive. Yay. The shearing is finished. All of my critters are naked. The garden is mostly planted. I actually oh, yeah. have like things growing and producing food. It's amazing. I am a few weeks behind. I'm still feeling the effects of the weakness, the mm-hmm. fatigue. This stuff is no joke. No. I was able to get my herb garden weeded. And my peonies are a poppin', as I always say. But they only pop, like, for two weeks out of the year. Yeah. I love them. I just wish they bloomed all year. And that's why I plant other things around them. Oh, me too. I have lamb's ear that I always put with the peonies Mm -hmm. and some herbs. But they're my favorite, and it's always sad when they go. You need to cultivate more favorites. I have three favorites. They cover the season. (laughs) You do. You do. Peonies in spring, my roses in summer. And my Asian chrysanthemums in the fall. Yeah, I like everything, but the peonies have always been my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I'm so sad when they leave. But yeah, it's been busy. Having COVID for over two weeks, it's a blur. But you've been beyond busy on your little homestead doing all your stuff. And then over here, just trying to get back to normal life and do some of my stuff that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. As of today, I got three broody hens out there. I I don't even know what to say about that. Two of which are salmon favorals. Yeah. Fighting to get in there and sit on eggs. So You shut them out of the coops. As we're recording this right (laughs) now, they are shut out of the coops. Well, that's not being mean either. It's probably saving their life because right now it's 93 degrees in the shade in Maryland. It's hot. So, yeah. I don't want them in there. I said, it's too hot. Everybody's Mm kind of late. We're in late afternoon. Right. So there's nobody that's going to be wanting to go in and lay. So you're out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't have them sitting in a box when it's this hot. No, no, no. It's not good. But it is really good to be sitting back at this table. It is pretty nice, isn't it? And not on Zoom. Not on Zoom. Zoom serves its purpose, but Zoom gets us everyone around the world that we want to get to. Mm -hmm. But when we're just sitting to Shu and I, it's hard on Zoom because we communicate a certain way ever since we've been nine or 10 years old. It's a lot of nonverbal taking place. Plus, we talk a lot, and Zoom doesn't allow. It has a delay. Right. That makes it harder, too. It does, yeah. It really does. So, yay for being back in the studio. Yay! (laughs) Okay. So, if everybody listening can do us a big favor, if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, 
head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And that's another thing that helps us grow. Yes, subscribers to the podcast help us enormously. You can also visit our Etsy shop. Check out the t-shirts that we have for sale there. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies and join our amazing Patreon family. One of the benefits is a free monthly bonus episode. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chicken? Of course. Then yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the April box, I absolutely love the big pack of greens and fodder seeds and the sparkly chicken earrings. Those bath bombs smell so good. And that wind chime is going to look so cute out in my run. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay. La, 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 la. Now it's time for Breed Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. So we are doing a little drum roll, please. The I Am Samani. So this is definitely a crowd favorite. We've had multiple requests to do this Breed Spotlight. Right. So we figured, why not do it? Yeah. Now, the Ayam Samani is a rare breed of chicken. They come from Indonesia, specifically the Isle of Java. We like Java. We do like Java. Ayam, A-Y-A-M, simply means chicken in Indonesian. Right. So Ayam Samani or Ayam Katawa, it just means chicken. Chicken. Samani is most likely from the town of Samani on the Isle of Java. Right. There are some people that say it has an old Javanese translation of black all the way through. I found that to be a stretch and no okay. credible source for it. You didn't it. find anything that no. actually said that. So it looks research. like it's probably from the town of Samani, which makes sense. All these chickens have geographical mm-hmm. names from where they're from. And if you don't already know, the Samani is best known for its black coloring. Yes, that's one thing everyone likes. So it's not just black feathers. It's black all the way through. Exactly. Skin. Everything. Mm-hmm. The breed carries a fibromelanistic gene that creates hyperpigmentation. So, like you were saying, the bird is black throughout its entire body. Yes. Everything but the blood, which, contrary to some reports, is actually red because hemoglobin is red. Yes, exactly. And the eggs, which are a rich cream color. So, that is kind of an old wives' tale that's going around. Is a lot of people say that this chicken lays black eggs. No. 
you have found nothing in no. your research that states that. Well, I've found breeders who say that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> that they lay cream-colored like cream eggs. Colored egg, right. So you have a black all the way through chicken that lays basically a white egg. And has red blood. <laughs> yeah. It was an old con in Asia that they had black blood and people would buy what they thought was blood from the chicken and it was not. That's crazy to me. It is. So the breed's been around for hundreds of years in Indonesia. In their native Asia, they are renowned as fighting birds in a few areas. Boo. Right. While in other areas, they're regarded as a bird with mystical, religious, or even medicinal properties. I can see that. Mm -hmm. And I will say, it's hard to find anything further than that. Yeah. Because there's no way I have the power to research in Indonesia. Don't you want to go there and research? What I want and what's going to happen are two different <laughs> things. <laughs> the Samadhi's been in Europe since about 1998. There was a Dutch breeder who imported it. That's not a long time no. ago. Mm -mm. I was married in 97, right. so shorter than my marriage. Yeah. That's crazy to mm -hmm. me. Greenfire Farm imported a couple of unrelated bloodlines, and so they've achieved a really beautiful breeding flock. It does have majestic qualities to it. It's, oh, it's a beauty. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that like all one color of things. Yeah. And this would be the bird fruit. Actually, the fibromelanistic gene does not guarantee the same exact appearance. You have okay. to breed yeah, for that. exactly. So Greenfire Farm tells a story that they built this gorgeous flock and someone in New York contacted them. They wanted to borrow a rooster for a Christmas ad where they put a ribbon on him and they hung a piece of very expensive jewelry. Oh. And so they did. They flew the rooster out and he was photographed with his jewelry. And you can see the photo on Greenfire nice. Farms. Yeah. In my brain, I want to go to, it was Tiffany, maybe. It was not Tiffany. I would have remembered if it were <laughs> Tiffany. I can't, can't remember who it was. I'm a Tiffany girl. I wouldn't want to see an ad with Tiffany and a chicken. That would make it full circle. If it were, I know it's not Tiffany because there'd be a Robin's Egg blue box in the photo somewhere and it's not. Hey, Tiffany, if you're listening to this, you need this chicken oh my to God. do this ad. Someone's already been there and done that. <laughs> but the takeaway from all of this is that their personality is so laid back. Both the hens or the ruse are so laid back and friendly that they had no problem yeah. sending this guy up there to be a model. And we know when you're looking for a chicken that that is probably, for us, that's the number one. For us, absolutely. We want a friendly, laid-back chicken mm -hmm. that will fit into our flock and with us. And if this chicken has both the novelty of everything that has gone for it mm -hmm. and its appearance, and it's super friendly, right. maybe a good bird. Well, that's what it has going for it, because hens are not great layers. No. Hens only lay 60 to 100 eggs a year. That's their first year. The height go of down their, from right. There. That's the height of their laying. And according to Greenfire Farms, not only do they lay such a small amount of eggs, they do it in cycles, right? So it's 20, 30. And break. then they take off for like two or three months. Hey, they're smart. Do they have a union? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Little picket signs. Don't tell my heads that. I will not lay. <laughs> so you get 30 eggs and then they're like, I need three months to recuperate. Yeah. I really believe they have a union. That's awesome. They might. So what you're going to be getting this bird for, this is another one. Like last week, we were talking about long crowers, more novelty. Yes. So you like the appearance of this bird. Mm -hmm. It's really friendly. It has some good stuff going for it. It's not a homestead egg layer. No. I wouldn't even consider this just like a backyard family layer, honestly. They rarely go broody. That's a good thing. It's, yes. And so if you want to hatch eggs, you're going to need a broody breed or an incubator. Don't get a salmon favorols because they're going to get <laughs> You have two broody salmons at the same time. Ah! Well, the beautiful I'm Samani, and this is not a surprise because they're such a recent addition. 
They are not APA accepted. Shocker. But there is an active U.S. I.M. Samani Breeders Association, and they have developed a standard of perfection. In fact, okay. there are a couple of good articles on the website about the genetics and breeding the Samani and the impact of the fiber melanastic gene. I got to be honest with you, it went a little bit above my head, the but genetics, it's really good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure the genetics are pretty complicated yeah. to get the spur to look. Well, shades of black, too. Yeah. Because the pigmentation, if your bird doesn't have that complete hyperpigmentation, they might have more of a gray look. I linked to the Breeders Association in our show notes. If you're interested in the I'm Samani, I highly recommend you check out their website. It's full of great information. Oh, yeah. The other thing which we didn't mention is they make really good show birds. There's nowhere to show them now. But because the Breeders Association is working at this, if they get them into the APA, then they'll be recognized and they can show. And the other thing is maybe the Breeders Association will start holding their own shows. Yeah, exactly. You're right. They would make an excellent show chicken. The one thing that I think of with them is novelty. Something just crossed my mind, and that is, I don't know if 4-H, like county fairs, that they could show them there. It's not like a farm bird that's going to be giving a lot of eggs, so it doesn't have that going for it. I didn't think to look into the shows too far, but, you know, if you know of someplace where you can show an I Am Samani, let us know. We can add it to the show notes. It's a picture of a hen and a roo. It's an awesome picture of them together. That is a great shot. They're very photogenic. There is something highly majestic about seeing these birds. I think that all of the breeds that carry this hyperpigmentation. So we have the Samani. The Silky. Uh, some Silkies. Yeah. The Vietnamese Mong mm-hmm. and the Swarthona, which yeah. we talked about yep. before. It really is fascinating to look at a bird that's completely monochromatic. And every picture that I'm looking as we're going through this, they have very caring eyes. I like that. That's probably that laid back personality. You can see that personality. They look very laid back, calm. Mm -hmm. They would be good cuddlers, but you're not going to be getting a lot of eggs. I'm also not sure if they're good foragers because I could not find information on that anywhere. You would think they would match in. And we've talked about this before. The camouflage. Yeah, they're camouflage. Mm -hmm. They might be good foragers. Don't know if you know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, let us know if you have have any experience with them. So where do you get them? Can you take one big guess? I can. (laughs) We've been talking about them. Mm -hmm. Green Fire Farms. Right. They sell them straight run. There's also a breeders list on the I Am Samani Breeders Association website. So if you're looking to get into breeding them for conservation or anything like that, it's certainly worth networking with some breeders. Yes, they're a rare breed, but they're not on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. I was just going to ask that. Mm -hmm. They're not because they are not considered Considered. a traditional American breed. Exactly. They just arrived here in the 90s. So that is your I Am Samani. If you have them, send us some pictures. Are you looking for a vintage small farm feel for your egg packaging this year? Or are you looking to develop a unique brand image with custom packaging? The Egg Carton Store offers a wide variety of recyclable cartons, customizable stamps, poultry care products, and a robust customizing tool to design your own labels. Plus, they offer fast, free shipping on all cartons and labels. Visit eggcartonstore.com for all of your egg carton, label, stamp, and poultry care needs this spring. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosties' store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water and nipple, and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosties range or follow the link in our show notes. 
So let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Mites and lice. I don't like this main yeah. topic at all, I but I know it's one that everyone kind of needs to hear. Like we get boatloads of questions about this. I'm talking boatloads. Yeah, we really do. It is definitely an issue out there for chickens. And just to keep this manageable, I really concentrated on the U.S. Oh, yeah. There's going to be some crossover with other parts of the world. I apologize to people farther away who have different varieties of mites and lice. Some of this will still apply. Like how you check for them will still apply. But like red mite, we talked about with Libby. Yes, that's back in episode 65. So if you're in the UK and you have a question about that mite, Mm -hmm. there's an entire episode about it with Libby, who's an expert on red mite. And red mite can show up in the US, but it's not a common one. Right. right? So I'm really going to concentrate on five mites. Okay, let's go. So the most common mite in the U.S. and in other countries that have temperate climates are the northern fowl mite. Yes. If you are in a tropical area, there's actually a tropical fowl mite, too. Yeah. Any kind of mite you can think of, it's out there. Of course. Mites feed on different things depending on their species. They are external parasites. There are some mites that feed on the dander left on the skin, Mm -hmm. and there are some mites that are going to feed and take bites of blood meals. Yep. So there's all different kinds. Also feathers and the scaly leg mite, which we'll talk about in a minute. Which is one that we get a lot of questions about. Yes. So one thing to remember, if you're going to be technical, mites are eight-legged and lice are six-legged. This is making me itch already. Sorry, (laughs) man. It's not good. So the northern fowl mite feeds on blood. Yes. A heavy load of them can make your chicken weak and anemic and can even lead to death. I want to put this out there. And this is from me seeing this in animal hospitals on dogs and cats. Mites of all kinds are dangerous, but Mm -hmm. mites that feed blood can be even more dangerous because they're going to make that animal anemic if they take too much. So they're not just giving you sores Mm -hmm. and itchiness. Mites and lice in general cause a lot of problems. They can cause secondary infections. They cause a dramatic decrease in egg laying. They can affect pretty much everything about your chicken. Lethargy. They can cause a lot of different things that you're seeing if something's going down. So that's one of the first checks. Your bird can start feeling so bad that they're not eating enough. Right. It just spirals. It does. So the northern fowl mite, again, it's a blood feeder. And one of the things we recommend you keep on hand is poultry cell. Yes. It's a blood booster. This is something that we've seen a lot of people mentioning poultry cell. I want to mention this right Mm -hmm. now so we can clear this up. This is a blood booster. This is not your average everyday vitamin that you're going to give to pump up your chicken. Right. This is for anemia. So if your chicken's just not having a good day and you want to give a vitamin, Nutri-Drench mm-hmm. or Rooster Booster, Rooster Booster or Strong Animal Chicken yep. Essentials, Chicken Elixir, those are your ways to go for normal vitamins. The thing about it is it has a lot of essential vitamins and minerals, but it also has iron. Yeah. And that's why it's the blood booster. It's helping the chicken produce hemoglobin. Right. It's literally a blood booster. And what happens is with iron, just like with people, with babies. Iron's harsh. Iron the digestive is very tract. harsh on a stomach, a mm-hmm. crop. So we only want to give this when we have to, when the bird is anemic and needs this push. So when you have a mite that is taking blood meals, this is when you're going to pull this out. Exactly. That also applies to red mite. Yes. And again, our friends in the UK are going to have more of this than we will. But red mites tend to live on coop surfaces. They feed on chicken blood at night. That's also a place where you would want to use the poultry cell. And again, back in episode 65, 
the amazing Libby Siddle gives yes. us the entire rundown on Red Mite, how to find them, how to treat them, everything. She did a fantastic yeah, job. It's great. Next up is the common chicken louse. Yay! Chicken louse will feed on skin. It will feed on blood, especially if the skin becomes sore. It will feed on feather debris and dander. They like to feed on what's sitting on top, that dead skin layer. And that just means it's going to take it longer for the problem to become debilitating. I've had people tell me flat out, chicken lice don't suck blood. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes they do. It is not true. You can have a humongo case of it. Yes. And they're going to be eating everything. Well, I'll tell you my story. Like a lot of people who are with their chickens every day, I'm like, mites under control. I'd know if there were mites. I'd know. They're not in my coops. My coops are clean. And then a Claire, my gorgeous, gorgeous light Brahma, just was walking weirdly. She wasn't herself. Yeah, she was not eating well. Yeah. She was kind of sitting by herself. This was a few months ago. Yeah. And so I pulled her out of the coop and I gave her a quick once over, couldn't figure out what it was. Then that evening, I decided to give her the full exam. Yeah. And that means I put on my headlamp. Yeah. And my husband held her. Yeah. And I went all through her feathers with the light on and we found poultry lice. Lots. Lots. And so, I'm itching. Like, I know. I cannot stop I know. itching. I know. My right arm is itchy. I know. And so long story short, part of what you need to do is figure out how the lice got there so you can stop it. Yeah. And in my case, there were little songbirds building nests on the backside of my coop. Yep. And the chicken lice were coming from them. Yeah. And that's why you have to be really careful with the songbirds. I evicted them. Sorry. I felt bad, but I was not losing my chicken because of this. They bring the lice with them. So it might be cute to say, oh, this little songbird has a nest right by my chickens. Believe us, it's not going to be cute when mm-hmm. your chicken's sick and you're getting all these lice off. Well, and look carefully because there's a bit of a ledge yeah. on the back of my coop where the long window opens. And they were building the nests up behind it, so I didn't even know they were there. Yeah. Next is the feather-chewing mite. Oh, lovely. It's not as common as the others, but this one you'll know because your bird's feathers will look messy. They will look broken. They will look chewed. That's not good. It's not good. I'm serious here. So feather chewing mite. And then the last is our old friend scaly leg mite. And scaly leg mite can easily happen to anybody. Yes. All of these can easily happen to anybody. Your chickens are living outside where all these other animals are. Well, scaly leg mite is one that definitely goes from chicken to chicken. Oh, heck yeah. Usually on the roost at night. The two rescue roosters that I took in a couple summers ago both came with horrendous cases of scaly leg mites. And if you don't treat this, it causes deformities within the legs. It can be very painful and it's very painful. Make them lame. Yeah. So treating this one, well, treating all of them, but this one is really, really, really important. Exactly. So some of the common carriers, other chickens. Yes. And it's worth noting, if you're taking a rescues or even adopting from like an animal shelter. Anywhere. You really want to do a mite check because a lot of those chickens have been in bad conditions. We recommend that a 30-day quarantine happen when you bring any chickens in that aren't babies. Because any bird can potentially have any of these mites. Yes. And if you contain it to the new bird, believe me, it's going to be a lot easier than a new bird bringing it into everyone. Yeah. So a 30-day quarantine. There should be no exceptions. If you take biosecurity seriously, you are going to quarantine. You're going to find a way to make it happen. Yes. So other chickens can carry it. Wild birds can carry these things. Rodents, that includes mice, rats, and squirrels. We've had some questions from listeners. Can mice get my chicken sick? Yes. Yeah. This is one way mice are carriers of mites and lice. So, yes, if you have a rodent problem with, Mm -hmm. you know, food around your coop and run, 
then they can bring these in also. Yeah. Fox could run yes. through your yard and drop them. The chickens are outside. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a host. For instance, let's say a fox is carrying a particular type of mite on their fur. Yeah. That fox might not be the host. That mite may not want you feed on that fox, but it's a convenient carrier say, to someplace else. Say the fox rubs in the grass and you walk with uh, yes. your feet. Or the chickens you, are out in it. And then you walk into your run. You're carrying it in. You can, yeah. So yeah. you can be a host and not even know it on your shoes. Right. These things are everywhere because they're on wild animals. Right. Animals and domestic ones. And domestic. Working in the field for 15 years, how many times I saw scabies or demodex Demodectic mange, mange, yeah. Coming in. Foxes will carry that. Heck yes. They're yeah. very prevalent with that. Mm -hmm. And seeing it on a slide. Yeah. It's Ugh. like, it's crazy because it was my job to do what's called a skin scraping. Mm -hmm. And you take a dull blade and you gently scrape the skin and put it in mineral oil and then look at it under a microscope. And the mites are sitting right there in yeah. that top layer. Yeah. And you can see those things swimming and eating the stuff. And it's disgusting. Oh, that is disgusting. Well, since we're already talking about the gross stuff, we'll move on to diagnosing the problem. So your chicken's not feeling well. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You're going to do a check. Exactly. And headlamps are fantastic for this because they free up your hands. And if you're part of Chicken Love Box and you got a box oh, last month. Right. There was a headlamp in it. There was a headlamp in that Chicken Love yeah. Box. I love that idea because that's I've something that some that. people don't think about getting. Exactly. Pete gave me one when we were still dating and it was like life changing for me. Joe has like 20 of them. He's all about the flashlights. It's a, Pete too. Is it a man thing? I don't Pete know. Pete collects maybe. them. I, you know what? The other day I saw him on a forum for flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, if I need a light, he has got the right light. An extra pair of hands is very helpful, but worst case scenario, if you can like kneel down next to a perch or something where you have the chicken at your eye level. That would be me. Yeah. I'm going to be doing this on my own with mine. Yeah. The headlamp is going to be very important. You need a headlamp and you need to find some place where you can get your eyes on the chicken level. And you're going to go all through her feathers. So here's the thing. You want to go where you flash the light on because they're going to run. Uh, they yep. don't like light. Yep. They like dark and warm. Mm -hmm. That's why they head to the vent area. Yep. It's the warmest spot on the body of the chicken. It's also the darkest spot. So that's where they go, except for the scaly leg mites. So lice and mites both start at the vent. If you have lice... You may see those egg the casings. Yes, the egg casings, which they build around a feather shaft. Children can get those. Mm -hmm. and a different species, but yeah. Yeah, it's the same way. The egg sticks on the feather and then they come out of the egg. Mm -hmm. So the casing stays there. Well, it's like cement on the chicken feathers. The first part is diagnosing. Yeah. Light and hands yep. to separate the feathers going to the vent the tail area. Start the there. Yep. Always start there. Then you want the other warm, almost humid areas under the wings. Under the wings. Up around the neck. Think where they're going to go to hide. Yeah. To be away from any light getting to right. them whatsoever. And most of these, your best bet is checking them at night. Yeah. Because then the light's going to really shock. Right. You're going to see them run. It's oh, not you do. Be pretty. It's not pretty. Now, but red mite, you're not going to find on the chicken. You're going to find in the coop. In the coop. That's right. I love Libby's idea of Warming it up and then seeing them all kind of yeah. come out of the crevices. Which, a hot water bottle. The hot water bottle. So, so it's warm and moist. Yes. A hot water bottle and even your own breath because they're attracted by the chicken's warmth and respiration. Okay. Let's move into treatment. So there are a couple things. Number one, we are not veterinarians. No. So we are not giving you veterinary advice. You need to check with your veterinarian. You need to call your veterinarian and or go. 
if you can, right? There's a lot of really, really conflicting and outdated information about this if you look on the internet. Yeah. Our first line of treatment for external mites is ivermectin. Yeah. Actually, that's for pretty much anything. That's for sheep, dogs, llamas. If you have mange, if you have a small animal and you go Mm -hmm. into an animal hospital, you're getting ivermectin. Right. If you have ear mites, which is another form of mites that come into domestic dog and cats, you get ivermectin. Uh Ivermectin is a miracle drug when it comes to treating mites. External parasites. It really is. It really is. No, you're not injecting your chickens with it. Or we don't inject our chickens. No, if you have small animals and you go to the vets, they will inject. Right. Well, the large animals too. Yeah. The llamas and alpacas and the sheep, any mites, it's an instant ivermectin injection. So anybody has chickens and also has dogs and cats, you use Avantix. Right. You put it between the shoulder blades. Yes. And that product goes from hair follicle to hair follicle and it spreads through that top dermal layer. Now, I've had various chicken keepers tell me different things. So some of them will just put the drop between the chicken's wings on yeah. her back on her skin and some will actually do a stripe. Yeah. I think the stripe is probably a lot harder to do. It's probably a lot harder to do because you have to keep the feather hard and you need to get it on the skin. You need to get it on the skin. And it has to be a place where the chicken can't reach. And that's why you're putting between the shoulder blades because that's one of the only spots a chicken cannot it's also, reach. Is it also kind of a central spot? And it's a it central. Can it can go. From there. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's the same kind of idea of going from follicle to follicle through right. the top layer of the skin. Right. The mite bites it. And then, boom, the mite does die. I was doing two repeats of this, like one and then one in 10 days. Fiona actually told us she does three repeats. And it really is very effective that way. Yes. So you would do 10 days, 10 days, 10 days over a 30-day period. Exactly. It's no joke. I mean, they Mm -hmm. can kill your chickens. Oh, yeah. So you want to definitely treat. And ivermectin is safe. You're not injecting it. Right. That's the number one thing to take away from this. You are using injectable. So you would go yes. buy a bottle of injectable ivermectin, but you are not injecting it. Yeah. Also, giving your chicken orally is not going to do anything. No. It has got to be topical on the skin. Because the mite has to sit there and bite it and right. take it in. It has to kill them that way. Now, dosing. This is where you want to check with your veterinarian. Yeah. Because we cannot it. give dosing advice. No. no, not at all. The other thing that people will use is carbaryl, which okay. is seven dust. Now, seven dust, you need to read very carefully. And there are different there are, strains exactly. out there right now. There are different types of insecticides in different types of seven dust. So you want the classic seven with carboral dust. You can also use that in your premises. So if you choose to treat your chickens with ivermectin, you can use the dust to treat, say, and that's what I used when I took the wild bird nests out. Yeah. So I used the dust in there. That's one you don't want to inhale, obviously. And again, that's what I do. This is not veterinary advice. Once you have your chickens treated and you want to treat the premises, you have the seven dust and you have other forms of pyrethrin. Yeah. So there are sprays Mm -hmm. that you can spray your whole coop with. Once you spray, you want to make sure that is completely dry. Yes. Before any animal goes back in. Whether you're spraying or dusting, you don't want them anywhere near it where they can inhale it in any way. You should not be inhaling it either. Right. Now, I've never used a seven dust. Ivermectin, for me, when I worked in animal hospital, was pretty easy to get to. Yep. You can buy it over the counter in most farm supply stores. Right. So I'll tell you a little bit of chicken keeper history. When I first started with chickens, I also had llamas and alpacas. I had ivermectin on hand. That's what I used for suspected mite cases. Right. And then somewhere in the 2000s, someone decided that ivermectin didn't work. And it went around all the forums and everyone says, ivermectin doesn't work. Don't use ivermectin for mites and lice. Right. Well, guess what? 
it works. I am not a fan of the big forums. I'll just put oh, that me out either. There. I haven't been on forums in no. years. I mean, it's a lot of opinion, and I don't mind opinion, but sometimes you don't have the facts to back it up. And oh, it's, often. Yeah. Uh, there's a very, very large and popular chicken forum, and there are exactly three people on there whose advice I would ever take seriously. Yeah. I feel like you're better off talking to your vet, first of all. That's exactly what I was about to say, is you're better off making a call to your vet mm-hmm. office and saying, I found the common chicken lice on right. my chicken. What do I do? Yes. And then have them direct you from there. If you have that relationship with your veterinarian, a phone call to them isn't going to cost you anything. Right. They can kind of direct you that way. There are two other things I want to address. The first is that any of the dusts or powders or sprays are going to be harmful to beneficial insects. Yeah. So again, you need to be super careful with your use of them. Yeah. The other thing is the elephant in the room, and that is diatomaceous earth. It is the elephant in the room. Which is taking us into our next segment of this, which is... A lot of people use it as a prevention. Prevention. If you have a chicken with a gigantic load of parasites, do not think diatomaceous earth is going to get rid of them in time to save that chicken. No. And the thing is, use the proper way. It can be helpful. Absolutely. Put it in a dust bath. Put it in a dust bath. No one should breathe it, chickens or humans, right. in the dust form. Exactly. And I'll say, if you put it in a dust bath, use it sparingly. Yeah. You don't Honestly, use a lot. For mite prevention, the biggest thing I use in my dust baths is wood ash. We use it constantly yep. because we have a working fire pit in yep. our yard that we always have wood ash from and we give it to the chickens. And it's fantastic. It helps them and it smothers the mites. Yes. When the chickens do their dust bathing in the dirt, in their rind or whatever, that's what they're doing. They're trying to prevent this from happening. Right. The other thing we didn't address, which is scaly leg mite, yes. for treatment is Vaseline. You can do a double-pronged treatment for scaly leg mite, and I found that it works really well. A drop of the ivermectin. Exactly. People used to say the ivermectin didn't do anything with the scaly leg mite. But again, we've come back to it because it is really the drug to get rid of do parasites. Do you remember growing up in the summer, we would be out playing and we would get chiggers? Do you remember those? Yes. And the whole big thing was smother. My mother would use a special soap. It was Fells Naphtha soap. And then put clear nail polish on the chigger places to smother them. It's kind of the same premise for the scaly leg I'm not sure it ever really smothered them. I think they just had to die. (laughs) So the Vaseline kind of has that same premise. It's smothering these mites. Right. And it kills them off. It does. What happens is the mites get under the scales of the chicken. So you will notice on the feet and legs, the scales are pushed up where they should be They will lift up, yeah. So if you see that and they're kind of acting sore on their legs, Mm -hmm. it can be really painful. If they're acting sore, you have an advanced case and you really want to get in there. You want to gently brush away as much of the debris as possible. And that debris is like dead skin that they pushed out. It's pretty gross. Yeah, it's not nice. Gently remove as much of that as possible, but the big thing is you want to get Vaseline or coconut oil would work, but it needs to be something that's going to stick up under the scales. I've had to do this one time with one chicken. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a severe case at all. Yeah, but my my rescue boys, it was very severe. You have to get it and smash it all the way up under Under the scales. scales. So you're going to put a lot on there. And then at the end of the day, what you're going to see is black debris from the dead skin and everything they've left behind. Mm -hmm. And you're going to clean off and then you're going to do it again for overnight. It's safe. Now, if you want the double punch, you add the drop of ivermectin in the Vaseline and you you put it in there. Apparently, some people say you can do it between the shoulder blades too. I have not tried that. I think I would go right for where it is. That's what I did. I mixed it right in the Vaseline. It was a bad case that the Rooster Boys had. Actually, one of the worst cases I've ever seen. 
in a severe case, you might see the scales fall off altogether. That's bad. They will grow back. The scales fall off in their skin under there. Yeah. So it's not like a big gaping exposed yeah, anything. Right. But just be mindful that in a bad case, you might see scales fall off. You might see all that debris we're so talking about. So if you see a chicken that's lame, the first thing that I always check for is the leg and make sure the scales are smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, check. a lame chicken, bumblefoot. Oh, yeah. I checked Scaly leg too. mite. Yeah. There's the first two. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that is the absolutely fascinatingly disgusting and mite. itchy world. Yeah, yeah. Of mites. And, and you know, it happens to people. It doesn't mean you're a bad chicken keeper. No, because your chickens are living outside with all these wild exactly. animals. Exactly. You can't blame yourself for these well, things. Well, I was guilty of that. Like, I'm always telling people, this is not your fault. It happens. Livestock, outdoor animals, yes. this happens. This is part of being a chicken mom or a dad. Yeah. Prevention and then having ways to treat once you find it. Preparation. And I cannot stress enough just to give your veterinarian a call and see what they have to say. Okay, so let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Rhubarb is in season on my farm. You do have it. I do not have it here. Well, I bought seeds for all these really hard to find varieties, so you might have some next year. So we'll be making some cakes because Sophia wants cakes. Cakes, jam. You can make some really amazing rhubarb syrups for some great mixed drinks. Oh, I'm sure. I had a rhubarb Tom Collins once that was to die for. Sounds good. Yeah. Rhubarb is endlessly versatile. So this is just a nice spring custard cake. It is flour, baking powder, butter. Of course, I use vegan butter. Yes. It calls for about a third of a cup of yogurt, a thick yogurt. So you can use like a Greek yogurt or like me if you have to eat dairy-free. There's a dairy-free cashew yogurt. Oh, wow. For no, we ju- used that before. We did. We used that in the pavlova that yes, we Yes, we yeah. did. It was good. It's really good. Yeah, it was so really good. any kind of a thick dairy-free yogurt would work. And then vanilla sugar eggs, three eggs in this case. You want roughly two cups of rhubarb. Okay. I don't have a lot of experience with using rhubarb. If it's bigger and stringy, you need to peel some of those strings off. Yeah. If you get it tender, you just chop it into like inch-long pieces. Okay. Perfect. And then some brown sugar for sprinkling. Can't do get wrong with brown sugar. You cannot. <laughs> you do this in a spring-form pan, and it's pretty standard. Cake-wise. Exactly. You're, so you're going to mix everything, the mm-hmm. flour, the baking powder, and whisk it until combined. In a small bowl, combine the melted butter. Yogurt, vanilla, and sugar, and whisk until it's light and fluffy. Yep. Add your eggs. Add your eggs to that. And you're going to mix the two together. Pour the eggs into the flour mixture. It's a pretty standard. Straightforward cake cake making. Yeah. Exactly. And then you pep the batter into the refrigerator for a couple of minutes. Okay. I don't know why, but it improves the texture. Okay. You're going to pour your batter into the pan. You're going to sprinkle the chopped rhubarb over top. And then you're going to sprinkle the sugar over top of the rhubarb. Sounds delicious. Pop it in and bake it. Now, a couple of extras. I really like this with a little bit of crystallized ginger on it. Oh, it's it just goes good. really well with the rhubarb. Oh, yeah. And you, it's a great for when you're having a friend over to have some coffee and chat some chickens. Is that another broad hint? <laughs> Sounds good right now, though, doesn't it? It we does. We haven't eaten cake in a long time. We need cake. I mean, we're both on our healthy eating, so cake has not been in our diets. No. Man, we need a cake. So there you have it, rhubarb custard cake. It's delicious. Give it a try, especially if you're growing your own rhubarb. Yes, send us pictures. We'd love to see them. Okay, so let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Retail therapy this week is one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. Fitz and Floyd. Has everyone heard of Fitz and Floyd? If not, you need to check it out. Google Fitz and Floyd chickens. They make kitchenware, but they make a lot of chicken-themed kitchenware. 
holy guacamole. They make a lot of chicken stuff and they have lots of vintage chicken stuff. And I have found some in the wild and I'm always jumping up and down when I find it in the wild. Yeah. Fitz and Floyd Company was established in 1960 in Dallas. Okay. And they started off as an import company, but then they started designing and selling their own ceramic giftware, you know, the tabletop stuff, all of those things. By the 1970s, they had all of the stuff that we love so much coming out. If you Google it, they even put it into categories, chicken. So you have the pitcher, the teapot, the figurine, the canister set. of hens on nests. Yes, which we love. And some of them are like casserole sized. I saw one on here. Oh my God. Yeah. That they often like a the have. chickens often have flowers and things like that on them. So this isn't our usual mid-century modern. No, this is more like seventies and eighties yes. into the nineties, or where the really collectible pieces come from. They're very colorful yeah. hens and roos, mm-hmm. and I like that about them. They bring some color into the kitchen. Yeah, the ones I found were salt and pepper. A shakers. lot of them have a very distinct glaze. They and do. You know, I know that I'm a ceramicist as hobby, so I'm kind of obsessed with glazes. Yeah. But if you see enough of them, you get to know. You can spot it across the room. Like, that's a Fitz and Floyd glaze right there. This one right here. Oh, my <laughs> heavens. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want that. Oh, my Lord. It's oh. pricey, too. The older pieces are really pricey. And, of course, the bigger they are, the pricier they are. I was in Goodwill, and I found the salt and pepper shakers for, like, $5 for the pair. It's a good-sized pair of yes. rooster salt and pepper shakers. are very pretty. And I was jumping up and down. I remember. I called you, I think. You probably did. I think they've made an appearance on some of our cakes. Yes, they have. Oh, my God. <laughs> this butter dish is to die for. Really is. She looks like a spotted Hamburg. Yes. Like the base of the butter dish looks like a little patch of grass. I know. And then she has chicks on her back. Oh, my heavens. It's crazy. So they actually do have just ceramic big roosters also. That they Freestanding. Sell. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say sculpture. That's not the right candle word. Candle holders. Anything Ooh, that, candle you can, holders. Yeah, that you can think of in chickens, they make. They do a lot of other things that are very pretty. I have a very large Christmas reindeer picture that's Fitz and Floyd. And again, I was in the thrift shop and I could tell from across the room. Yeah. That's Fitz and Floyd. That's when you don't stop. That's a funny story. (laughs) So I bought the picture, right? And I'm walking out to my car and this little elderly lady stops me and she says, that's a Fitz and Floyd, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, that's when if you spot it, you grab and look later. Absolutely. Think it is and you grab and look later. That's one of our philosophies. If you go on their website right now and look at the Christmas stuff they have, it's absolutely gorgeous stuff. That's the thing I like about Fitz and Floyd. You can get the vintage, the retro, mm-hmm. but you can also get new. Let me see how much new chicken stuff they have. Oh, my. They have some figurines. Lots of figurines. Oh, yeah. You can go to our old friend eBay and Etsy Yes, and search this. I just Google it and go, oh, I love looking at this. <laughs> and, you know. Well, you know, secondhand is always better if you can get it. being sick for two weeks and sitting there and not feeling really good. Mm-hmm. How many times I opened up my laptop and just put in Fitz and Floyd chickens and just kind of looked. How many times said, did you do that? A lot. <laughs> did you buy anything? No, because I was too sick. I didn't feel like getting oh. up and getting my wallet. I'm just going to window shop and I'm going to hit wish list for all of them. <laughs> well, keep getting the then emails. you can find them later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have tons and tons of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a big favor. Google Fitz and Floyd chickens. You will not be disappointed. And you'll say, why didn't you guys do this one earlier? Because there's so much out there. There really is. 
Back to the salt and pepper shakers. I feel like salt and pepper shakers are so collectible. They don't take up that much space. Oh, yeah. And they make amazing cake toppers. You can use them for anything. Anything. I mean, I don't use them for salt and pepper shakers. I use them to put different places and everything else. I have salt and pepper grinders. So you don't use them either. I don't use them either. They're just just decor. decor. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And they're small enough where you can kind of move them around. They're like egg cups. They're really an easily portable form of collection. Oh, yeah. This one is beautiful, too. The jar, $38. That's not bad. You and eBay? Poshmark. Poshmark. So if you have Fitz and Floyd, let us know. Show us some pictures. Yes. We would love to see them. We would. Okay. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week is fascinating if you're into the old breeds. We're going to spotlight the Derbyshire Red Cap. This is a big one. This is one of the rarest chickens in the U.S. Yes. We're going to be chatting with Ginger from Murray McMurray Hatchery. We're so excited. Ginger and her husband have worked with the Derbyshire Red Cap, and their story is fantastic. And she's going to talk to us about conservation work at essentially America's largest rare breed hatchery. They are. And also what she does on a day-to-day over there in McMurray. Right. That's a good conversation. Our recipe is cornbread. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. I can't have it right now, but I want it. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's hard doing these recipes right now. I know. Cornbread is great. Retail therapy. Chicken tea towels. How can you go wrong with chicken tea towels? You I, cannot. I've been amassing a very large collection of chicken tea towels. <laughs> My collection is growing, too. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. And kiss them, too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.